0: Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. God has blessed us again with a with a great morning. Today is uh, March 6th, uh, 2022. Uh, it's amazing how fast the days and months, the hours and minutes are going. It's already March. It's amazing. Well, this morning we're going to be back in the book of Genesis as we're working our way through this marvelous book. Um, we're going to cover, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to cover chapters um, all the way from 33 to 36 this morning. Um, um, just marvelous section of scripture. Everything in, in the Bible is a marvelous section of scripture, but in particular uh, these chapters, as we are have the joy of of reading and studying together uh, in Genesis uh, this morning. I'm going to read Psalm 5. As we're working our way through the Psalms, we'll sing three hymns as well out of the Trinity hymnal, Hymn 100, Holy, 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 Hymn 54, Hallelujah, Raise, O Raise," and uh, 255, O Jesus, we adore Thee. So let me open in a word of prayer, and we'll start this morning, and again, I'm, I'm glad you're, you've joined me this morning. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning to be here, to open up your word, to study, to be affected, to be changed, to be marveled, to marvel at the reality of how you work in our lives, Father, in this day, in this age, at this time, with all the things that are happening in this world, Father. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't forgotten us. You are faithful because you are a faithful, loving, eternal God. You are the Almighty. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the creator of all things. You are the potter, we are the clay. Father, you mold us and you direct us. You change us. Father, you give us purpose and direction, Father. So we come this morning with that in mind, that you would encourage us and strengthen us, Father. Correct us where we need correcting. Build us up where we need building up, Father. We pray all this in your son's matchless name, in Jesus Christ, amen. Well, follow along with me this morning. Uh, We're in the book of Psalms. We've covered uh, chapters one through four this morning. We're going to look at the fifth chapter in the book of Psalms. David writes, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a god who delights in wickedness, evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not, shall not stand before you before your eyes. You hate all evildoers, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their innermost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy, and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with with favor as with a shield. Let's pray. Father, as David writes here, Father, we do come to you in this particular morning, you hear our cries. You hear the the sound of our hearts, Father, beating for you. Father, may we confess our sins before you this morning. May we come to you this day, this morning, this Lord's day, Father, clean, shed of the garments of filth and sin, Father, that we may stand before you clean and holy. And yet, Father, we are not perfect and we will never be perfect here on earth. Only you are perfect. But Father, we come to you and ask that you would hear our cry, hear our pleas, Father, keep us from evildoers. Father, keep us from evil. Keep us from sinning. Keep us from desiring the things of the flesh, the things of this world that are abundantly around us, Father. Protect us. Put a hedge around us, Father. Put your Holy Spirit into around us and protect us, Father. Let Him be our, our counselor. Let Him be our conviction, Father, that we might please you and a desire to serve you, desire to be holy, desire to be Holy as you are holy, Father. And again, Father, we know we can never achieve that perfect holiness, Father. But we strive to be holy. We strive to be righteous, Father. We strive to be pure before you, Father. Father, may we continue to confess our sins, Father. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness, something that we take for granted, Father. But you have granted us forgiveness. You granted us forgiveness when we came to you as as your children uh, bent on sin we bowed our knee and ask that you would forgive us of our sins, Father, the sin primarily of rejecting Christ, our Savior, your Son, Father, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Father, we come this morning on bent knee, Father, that we might be forgiven. And, Father, you have forgiven us, and that's the gift of, of, of uh, salvation, Father. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our, the gift of sanctification as now we go through this process, Father, of living a holy life before you. Father, grant us this. We pray all this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, let's go to the first hymn this morning. It's hymn 100 Holy, Holy, Holy. Well, we find ourselves in Genesis 33. We've covered um, 1 through 32 in the last few weeks. So let's pick up in Chapter 33. Again, I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible. It's, um, It's a piggyback off the New American Standard, which is the standard that I've used my entire life. I think I used the NIV for probably about five or six years, maybe a little bit longer. But anyway, so we're reading from uh, Genesis chapter 33. It's when Jacob meets Esau after being away from him for so many years. Well, 20 years, exactly 20 years. I give or take a few months, I guess. But uh, in chapter 22, we see that Jacob wrestles with God, in, starting chapter, in, in chapter 22, verse 22. Um, and then uh, a, a man uh, wrestled with God, turned out to be the angel. Of God, which is really the incarnated Christ, um, and so he um, beats Jacob beats the angel. Now, of course, we know uh, theologically he couldn't, and physically he couldn't, because God is all powerful, omnipotent. Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> the uh, fact that uh, Jacob beat the angel of the of the Lord is, is an amazing thing, but. Remember, we have to remember that when Jacob was born, he was the twin brother of Esau, uh, and uh, when he came, first Esau was born the oldest, and then Jacob was born the, the, the second. And when he came out, he held on to the, the heel of his brother Esau. And so that means what to cling, to cling on to, to hold on to. And so in, in that very section of scripture, uh, the angel says, oh, well, the uh, angel says, then he said, let me go for a day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you ble- until you bless me or unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And, the, and, and he said, Jacob. Then he said, What's, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, right? And Israel means to strive with God or to work with God. And that's the idea, right? Now, now he's no longer Jacob clinging on to someone else. Now he's one who strives and, and desires God. And so his name now is Israel, and we're going to see this clarification uh, here in the in the next chapter, as well. The next chapter too, but anyway. So Esau was away from uh, Jacob, and Esau were separated for twenty years. Uh, Jacob went to um, Laban and and worked seven years for Leah and seven years for for Rachel, and um, six years as his um, Let's say manager of cattle, um, and did that for six years, and then he leaves. So in verse in, in a verse one, chapter thirty three, and Jacob lifted up his eyes and and look and behold, he saw was coming. Now again, I, I should stop there too because we have to go back to chapter thirty two where he is indeed um, has left uh, Laban's land. Um, and he's headed back to Esau to meet him. He takes all his cattle, takes all his wives, his children, and, he, and he's head, heading back to, to his father's land, uh, Isaac. And so on their way, Jacob lifts up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with their children, and Rachel and Joseph at last. So he has these three staggered groups. Um, so he divided the children, Leah and Rachel, and the two female servants. And he put the servants um, <clears throat> with their children in front, right? So this, this is, uh, the, when they say servants, it's uh, um, Leah and Rachel's servants, their, their maids. And he put the servants and their children first, and then Leah with her children, and then Rachel. So there's a stack of three, now this sounds like he's trying to protect the last two, which is Rachel and Joseph, and in some degrees he is. But really, he's staggering them for to to acknowledge that Esau is king, and he's preparing he's he's preparing Esau to see here's here's his people. This is what he has, and this is the order. So it wasn't so much to protect Rachel and Joseph, as much as it was a place of honor. So verse three says he himself went out. When, went on before them bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother but esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept here's here's a here's a, just a beautiful picture right so we we would think what jacob did and how he deceived his his brother esau and sold his birthright you would think esau would have this hatred for him. And he did, right? Because in, in, in the earlier chapters, we, we saw that very thing. Rachel, Rachel um, deceived him. Um, yeah. And so, so Jacob leaves because the word was that he that, uh, that Esau wanted to kill him, right? And so, so Jacob has that in mind. He realizes that, that though 20 years has passed, that hatred for him still might be there. But Esau ran to meet him. He didn't walk, didn't, didn't, didn't trot, but he ran to meet him just a perfect picture of forgiveness and he embraced him and fell on his neck in other words he just hugged him and he kissed his neck he just fell on his neck just so happy to see him just a beautiful picture and reminder that there is grace right that there is forgiveness I prayed earlier for the gift of forgiveness that God forgives us of our sins and and beloved we, we need to forgive those as well not holding a grudge and not not and yet not forgetting what has taken place I'm sure Esau and Jacob remember, reminisced about what had transpired years before. And so, so we can't, we can't you know, just throw that away. But we have to always, always acknowledge that there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's mercy. And this is exactly what, what Esau did when he saw Jacob. He just, he just totally lost it. Verse 5, And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. So again, so we see the servants bowing down. Then we see Leah... And we see, and we'll see Rachel and Joseph as well. So Leah likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. Esau said, "What do you mean by all this company that I that I met?" Jacob answered, "To find favor in the sight of my lord." But Esau said, "I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself." So in other words, so so now now. Esau's thinking, okay, what, what, all this cattle, all this, all this cattle and all this abundantful uh, um, um, produce and livestock, and and, ja- and Esau saying, well, why, why, why all this? And Jacob says, because I, I I'm honoring you. You're, you're my lord. And this is yours. So in verse nine, but Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I found favor in your sight, then accept my presence from my hand. He goes on to say, Jacob goes on to say, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Wow. Again, you just just marvel at their love for each other. He couldn't wait to see Esau. Jacob couldn't wait to see Esau. Esau couldn't wait to see Jacob after all these years. This is blood of his blood, bone of his bone in that sense, and this is my, my brother. What's interesting in chapter 22, again in, in, uh, in verse 30, he says, "For I have seen the face, I have seen God face to face, and my life has been delivered. So he, here Jacob sees, and I, I don't think he really sees God, well, obviously, he doesn't see God face to face because no man could stand. But he sees the man he wrestled with, and by seeing the man he wrestled with, which is the incarnate to Christ, he saw the face of God. And now when, when Jacob sees his brother, he's saying, seeing you, Esau, is like seeing the face of God. What, what does he mean? Just beautiful, right? Just absolutely beautiful. Just amazing. It's kind of like when you see your wife and you haven't seen her for a while, and you just look at her and you just melt. It's like seeing the face of an angel. In this case, he saw the, like the face of God. It's just a beautiful picture of of forgiveness and acceptance and deliverance from both these men. Just a beautiful picture of God's grace. Verse 11, please accept my blessings, my blessing that is is brought to you because God has dealt graciously, graciously with me because I have enough. Thus he urged him and he took it. So he kept urging Esau to take what he has given him and he took it. Verse 12 Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the nursing flocks and the herd are a care to me. If they are driven hard for one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly. At the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me, and at the pace of the children, until I come to my lord in Seir. So Esau said, Let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But Jacob said, But he said, What need need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my lord. So so Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth, and built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of that place is Sukoth, and Sukkoth just means booths. So, it, so he said, you know, he named the place booths because he set up booths there. In verse 18 in chapter 33, and Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, came safely or peacefully to the city of Shechem. So there was no harm. Uh, Esau's men and those around in that area let Jacob pass safely and peacefully. So Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Pandanaram. and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he brought for a hundred pieces of of money, the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. There he erected an altar and called it El-Hori Israel. And El-Hori Israel simply means the God, the God of Israel, the God, the God of Israel. So so here we see Jacob's been out of the promised land. He's been out of Canaan. He, he's he been on the east side of uh, of that area down towards Babylon and and down in the Negev area. And he finally comes back, and he's now in the promised land. He's he's in Canaan. He's where he's supposed to be. He's where, he's where Isaac is at. He, he's where uh, Esau lives. Esau never left. Jacob is the one who left. So, so, th- so keep that in mind now as we go through this. So Jacob left, right, Esau. Esau and Isaac stayed there. They didn't go. Um, and so Jacob leaves. He's gone for 20 years. He comes back into Canaan. Now he's back home. He's where his father's at. He's back at home. And he named that that altar El Hari Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. He's home. Let's go to in chapter 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the woman of the land. So, in other words, they get there, they're there for a while, they don't, we don't know how long they're there, but they're probably there for quite a while. She feels comfortable, so she goes out to see the other women of the land. Okay. Now, remember, um, it's this land, this time is occupied by, by, by Esau and his, his clan, his people. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. So what did he do? He took her, not by her choice, basically, well, I'm not going to say basically, he rapes her, he just rapes her, he humiliates her, he just, he he saw her, she was beautiful, Uh, Dinah was beautiful and he, he rapes her, this man Shechem, the son of Hamor. The Hivite. Okay, remember now, Jacob is now is called Israel. So two different groups, but yet they're they're related through blood, through through the line of of uh, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles. It's all the way down through the line. So anyway, so so verse three, and his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. So not first he rapes her because of the beauty of her, and just he doesn't even ask her, just rapes her. But then he falls in love with her. Um again that's it's an amazing picture that alone, that he could do that, but that's what happened. And and his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So after he rapes her by force, he speaks tenderly as if like nothing ever happened and then it was okay. And we don't get her reaction to what's what happened or what's going on, but we get his. And he, he loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her so kindly. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this girl for my wife. That's an amazing thing. So he doesn't apologize and say he's sorry to her. He doesn't say, sorry, you know, father, I I raped this girl and I love her. I want her. He just says, get me this girl for my wife. So he wants this this girl, this woman, Dinah, for his wife. Verse 5, now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah i got to stop right there because, well, let me, let me go a little bit further. But his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Amazing. We don't see any reaction from Jacob because he because because uh, Shechem defiled his daughter, Dinah. We, we, we see nothing here in Scripture. I don't think we're going to see anything in the rest of this chapter regarding Jacob and his anger that this happened. He's 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 not taking action. We're going to see his sons take action. And again, where's the father's rage? Where's the father's anger? Where's the father's care for his daughter? His love for his daughter? Where is that? It's just, it's just an amazing picture of of this account with Jacob and his daughter Dinah. Anyways, so his, his sons were out in the field, so he said he's going to hold off until they came back in. So verse 6, And Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field, and as soon as they heard of it, and the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. On several accounts, right? One, you just can't do that. You can't rape another woman, no matter who she is, no matter where she, her culture, no matter what her nationality is, you can't do that. But in primarily because Israel, now now the the, the sons of Jacob, they, this is their home, this is their this is the this is their camp. This is their this is their dwelling place. You can't do that in our home and to our daughter. And they were angry. They were outraged. So verse eight. But Hamer spoke with with them. What with who? With Jacob and his son, saying, the soul of my son of she, the soul of my son Shechem longs longs for your daughter. Long it means. Uh, yeah, just your daughter. I, I just just longs for your daughter. What's amazing here, there's no, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that this happened. I'm sorry my son did this. I'm sorry that, that this happened. How's your daughter? There's no indication of that at all. All he goes on to say is, please give her to him to be his wife. Verse 9, make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall do well with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it, and and get a property in it. Shechem also said to his father and to his brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price, the gift as you will, and I will give you whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. So here we have a count. This guy's just madly in love with Dinah. Just absolutely, whatever it takes, he's going to give whatever he can. Whatever they ask, he says, "Ask and I will give it to you." Just give me, just give me Dinah as my wife. Again, there's no, there's no repentance. There's no sorrow. There's no, there's no uh, shame in this guy. He just wants them. There's no, there, it's like there's no morality in this guy. It's just he just wants what he sees, and what he sees, he wants, and he's going to take it. And he's talking, he's saying to his brothers, her brothers and, and Jacob, give me to her. Whatever you ask, I will give. Verse 13, the sons of Jake answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. So now it's possession, right? So, so now the, the brothers say, this is my sister. This is my family. This is my blood. You've done this to us. Verse 14, and they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister possession right our sister to one who is uncircumcised for that would be a disgrace to us so they work through it they're angry and now they're being deceitful okay so it starts off that way that way right in verse 13 the sons of jacob answered shechem and his father hamor deceitfully because they had defiled their sister dinah so they're answering them deceitfully so They're angry that this happened, they defiled their sister, but they're answering in a way that, okay, they're putting that aside for a second, they're putting that aside for a little bit, and they're answering Shechem and Hamor this way. We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree. What's the condition? That you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Right, so we know at this point every Israelite, every son of Jacob, is is circumcised. Right, that's what that's what separates them from all the other people. Even though there was circumcision in that land at that time, but not as a whole, not as a people, as individuals. For what for whatever reason that took place, but 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 for Jacob and his family now Israel, what separates them from all the peoples of the land is them as a nation, as a men. As a people, those, every male is circumcised, every one of them. And if they weren't circumcised, they were cast out. They were kicked out. They were no longer to be considered a, a, an Israelite or a son of Jacob. So he says, verse 15, Only on this condition we will agree with you, that you will become, as we are, by every male among you, being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Right? So now now they're saying, okay, look at this is the this is the requirement. This is what the condition. You do this, and you could have our daughter, or our, our our sister, Jacob's daughter. If you don't do that, we're just gonna bail. We're just gonna go. So that's what happens here. Right? So verse 18. The words please Hamer and Hamer's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Um, again, you know, just stop for a second. The words please Hamer and Hamer's son. So here we have a picture of a father whose son did something so gross and so immoral and so sinful, and he does not rebuke his son. We see there's no indication of that. I'm I'm thinking at that time it was a common occurrence, but it's never right. Morally, it's wrong. It's sinful. It's hateful. It's it's taken what not as yours, what's not yours, violation of that young woman, and but the love of the father, it, he, he he takes no direction. He takes no no no. He, the father gives no rebuke to his son. It just he just lets it go. The love of the father is to this son is is. Good at in one point, but on the other, it's blind. He, he needed this Hamer. Hamer needed to see the son of his son, the sin of his son, and he didn't. It's just really, just really a sad situation. In verse nineteen, and the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. Who was Shechem? He was the next in line. It was his father and then him. He was the most honored in all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gates of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let, let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised, and they are as they are circumcised, will will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of the city, listened, to Hamer and to his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. So they went to the gate of the city, Hamer and his son Shechem. And the wise men and the and the and the elders are at the gate because that, that's where they gathered. That's where they did their business. Uh, Hamer and his son Shechem approached them and say, "Look, at this here's the deal. I love this my son loves uh, Dinah, their their uh, their sister Jacob's daughter. I want her at any cost. I want her." So they went and talked to the men of the city, the elders of the city, and convinced them, "Okay, let's do this. Whatever is theirs is ours. Here's the here's the deal, though. We have to be circumcised like them." So, so they all have to be circumcised as them. So they all went out of the gate to the city, listened to Hamer and his son, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. So every man in that city was circumcised just for Hamer's son Shechem in order to have his, have his, his desire of Dinah, Jacob's daughter. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> they, they were so powerful in that community, Hamer and, and Shechem, and his clan, his family, that they sweet-talked the elders of the city to go along with this. It's, an, it's amazing. Now, again, you can't lose sight of the sovereignty of God and God's providence. You can't. We just read through these chapters. We read through these sections of Scripture, but you have to come back to the sovereignty of God. You have to come back to the providence of God, how God is orchestrating everything, everything. There's not one thing un, 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 untouched by God. Well, let's keep going. Verse 25 in chapter 34. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while they felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamer and his son Shechem with a sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field. All their wealth and all their little ones and their wives and all that was in their house they captured and plundered. So you get the picture, right? So, so again, we have to go back to to verse uh, 18. Um uh, I'm sorry, verse 13, the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamer deceitfully because they defiled their sister. So so they had already cooked up a plan. And how they cooked up that plan is amazing, but they did. So they talked him into getting circumcised, every male, Hamer, and, his, Hamer and, and Shechem, and all the men, they talked him into being circumcised just for Shechem to have this woman, Dinah. And so on the third day, right, they're all circumcised. I, I can't imagine being circumcised when I was eight days old, let alone two days old. And now think about it, when you're older, these are grown men and they're circumcised, right? They, they, they cut the foreskin off their off their penis. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> I can't imagine that pain. I can't imagine the uncomfort of that. I can't imagine just, just be. you just have to be sitting down, laying down not moving because it would be so tender down there. And so on the third day, when they were sore, it says in verse 25, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, went and slaughtered all the men. Well, how how could they do it so easily? Because they couldn't move. They killed them all, including Shechem and his father, Hamor. It's a crazy picture and everything, they plunder everything, all because of their sister being raped by Shechem. Now, i got to go back to this, too, because as I mentioned earlier, there's no indication of Jacob being irate and mad and angry to the point where he needed to do something to to Shechem and his father, Hamer. There, There was no war council set up. There was no discussion. There was no trial. There was nothing from Jacob in regards to his daughter, Dinah. None. Zero. So because of that complacency, the brothers took action. Did they take the right action? Well yes and no, right. I mean, there should have been a trial. there should have been a, there should have been a trial, there should have been a, a punishment for Shechem without a doubt. but there was none. So they took matters into their own hands and they went and they murdered everybody and took everything and plundered everything. It, 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 the, the punishment way outweighs the, the, the sin to some degree, but, but you understand their rage and their anger? Anyway, so verse 30, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land. In other words, you guys you guys went overboard here. Now everybody in the land is going to look at us and look at me. I'm your father. They're going to look at me, Jacob, and you brought trouble on me and my head, on my family and my wife, my daughters, my grandchildren. You brought this on top of us. So it goes on to say the Canaanites and the Presites." My numbers are few, and they are and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? There was our justification. Father, you had an opportunity to do anything. Now you're just worried about your name because we went and did this action. We took this against against them. Just amazing. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Wow. That's honor for their, for, for their sister. It's honor. They loved her. They loved her. And yet, no action was taken, so they took action in their own hands. Well, let's keep going. In chapter 35, we're now in chapter 35. And God said to Jacob, after this occurred, all this time happened, <clears throat> excuse me, God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel and dwell there, make an altar to there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify, purify yourselves and change your garments. So they've been dwelling there for a while, right? Didn't say how long, but they've been there for a while. They have become like the inhabitants of the land. That's what happens after a while, you, it's like the frog in the pan, right? You put the frog in there, turn it on low, eventually it gets so hot, it just boils to death, and that's what's happening here. So they became like them, and God says, get up, get out of here, go to where you made the, uh, the covenant with me where I appeared to you when you fled from Esau. So Jacob tells his family, let's go. Put away your, your foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves. In other words, wash yourself. In other words, it's, it's as if the, 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 the sin is external. He said, "So there's a purification period. Cleanse yourself. Wash yourself. Change your clothes, new clothes. Wash yourself. Get, a, get rid of all these idols, all these other gods. Get rid of them. We're going. We're going to where God actually dwells. So, <clears throat> again, it's it's a beautiful picture of being cleansed. And our sins, we must be cleansed for our sins, even in this day. But it's not a matter of external. It's it's a matter of internal." It's a matter of the spiritual. It's a matter of the Holy Spirit convicting us. It's a matter of we being ask of us coming before the throne of God on our knees or walking or or running, whatever it is, coming before God and asking Him to forgive us of our sins because we have many. And we live in a culture where we accept so many, so many things of this culture and this world, and we act like it's not bad, but it is. The movies we see, the music we hear, the the culture we live in. And so so we are constantly asking God to cleanse us and and forgive us. But in this case, these people were so saturated with the people of the land, God says, get out of here, go. And and Jacob says, purify yourself, get rid of the idols, wash yourself, get new clothes. And verse 3 says, then let us arise and go to Bethel, so I may make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So, 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 Jacob is re- re- reflecting on the past, when when God was faithful to him and is faithful to him, and in the present, as well for Jacob. So they so they gave to Jacob all their foreign gods that they had, the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. So interesting. Shechem is the name of the city, but the guy that just raped his daughter is, is named Shechem as well. Anyways. So we have no indication of Rachel's, remember going back to uh, a few chapters earlier, Rachel stole um, Laban's idols, his, his gods, his foreign gods. Those aren't indicated here, but I'm thinking those were also consumed with, uh, with Jacob as he, he pulled all their idols away as well. So they gave Jacob. They gave to Jacob all their foreign gods that they had with them. Their rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under a the Tarambith tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them. So they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Amazing, right? This is God's protection. There's there's hundreds, there's thousands of people going uh, where they are where they're passing through, and God put terror in their ears, in their in their hearts, I should say, and. Um, and they didn't touch Jacob and his and his and his family, and so they were not around them. So they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Lutz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. So now he's truly in the in the in the promised land in the Canaan in Bethel. He and all the people who are with him, and he, there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, uh, which means God of Bethel, right? Uh, and, and Jacob came to Luntz, that is Bethel, which is the land of Canaan, and he and all his people were with him. And there he built an altar and called that place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, so we'll just stop there for a second. So, so, so they go to finally into Canaan in the, in the total saturation of the land, and there he builds an uh, altar. Uh, and calls it El Bethel because God, because their God had revealed himself to him when he fled from Esau. And then we start in chap, then chapter 35 verse 8 and then we bring in this woman, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. Now I have to tell you, looking at this, this is the only time really a woman is talked about or one of the few times that a woman is talked about so distinctly and clearly as Rebecca's nurse, and I think it's it's tied to Joseph. She was with she was with uh, Joseph all the way through this, and she was very important. This Deborah, and 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 the writer wanted to make sure that Deborah was honored, even though she has no lineage or or, or line of the, the the tribe of Israel per se, as far as giving birth. But that was her nur- That was Rebecca's nurse. Anyway, so Deborah, Rachel's nurse, died, and she was buried under an oak tree in Bethel. So he called its name Alon Bak- Bakuth, I think it is, Bakuth, uh, which just really means the weeping, the oak of weeping. So they're very, very sad. This is a big, big deal that Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, had died, and, and the writer wanted everyone to know this. Um, so in verse 9, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Pandanaram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Wow, oh, God Almighty. That That's indication, going back to chapter one in Genesis verse one, God Almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. It's a, it's a great, great reminder to Jacob. It's a great reminder to us. That, that our God is God Almighty. He's not just Lord, he's, he's just not God, he's God Almighty. And so, so, God appeared to him again and blessed him and said his, his name was Jacob. Remember, going back to chapter 22 and verse 22 all the way down to, I guess, uh, 31, right? We get the indication that, that, that Jacob wrestled with God, with the angel of, of God. Uh, Christ incarnated in that sense. And, uh, and at that point, he said, no longer shall you be called Jacob, you should be called Israel. And now we have a, a solidification of, of that happening here. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called the name his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. I can do anything. I am the Creator. I am the Sustainer. I created you. I can name you. So He called him. I am God Almighty. Now He goes on to say, "Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body." Um, the idea of from for your loins, from your from your seed, um, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to you, to, to gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. So when we have the promise, right, of blessing, of land, and offspring, it's the same trio of blessings that God has promised Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. So let me read it again in verse 11. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. That should be highlighted in our Bibles. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. Uh, Much to say, but let me just kind of hit that. A nation, Israel, and a company of nations, all the nations of redeemed believers shall come from him. Verse 12, the land that I gave to your, that I gave to, Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Verse 13, then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he had spoken with him, the pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Bethel. So again, we have just a lot of happening in this section. Let's keep going, verse 16, in, in chapter 35. When they had journeyed from Bethel, when they were still some distance from Ephrath, uh, Rachel went into labor. So some distance, you know, a couple miles probably. Uh, when they journeyed from Bethel, when they were still some distance, a few miles from Ephrath, from Rachel went into labor, and she was in hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And her soul was departing, for she was dying. She called his name Benoin, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephraim. That is Bethlehem. So she dies in Bethlehem. Um, Again, just amazing how God works all this out. Verse 20, And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched a, his tent beyond the tower of, of Eder. Okay, uh, so Rachel dies in childbirth. Her 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 son is is Benjamin, the youngest of, of, of Jacob's children. And both Rachel, uh, uh, Rachel, I should say, um, be, uh, um, is born to her. Both um, Jacob. Uh, I'm sorry, Joseph and Ben and Benjamin, so we have that story there. Verse 22, while Israel lived in the land, Reuben went and laid with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Well, okay, so Reuben's the oldest, right? Of all of uh, Jacob's sons, Reuben is the oldest. And, and so because he's the oldest, he is in charge of everything. He is the next in line. When Jacob passes away, Reuben will inherit all this. Now, a couple of points here. It doesn't say that he raped Bilah, but he said he laid with her. So she must have agreed, because otherwise, I think it would have said, you know, that he took her as as uh, as Shechem took Dinah. But that's not the indication. So he laid with with his father, his concubine, and Israel heard of it. Israel being Jacob, right? So now we have to make that transition. Jacob is no longer Jacob. He's now Israel. So why did Reuben do this? To show that he's next? I don't know. Uh, Is he just perverted and twisted? I don't know that either. But I think it's more on the lines of he's taken this woman and showing that he has the power to do this. And it says here, and Israel heard of it. Okay. So Where's the anger? Where's the frustration? There, there's nothing There's nothing there. There's nothing here that shows Israel or Jacob's anger towards Reuben. I, I don't understand that, and the Bible is silent on that. But remember, Jacob said, didn't say anything about his daughter being raped either. So obviously, Jacob, who's now Israel, um, was kind of non-confrontive on so, on so many areas. I don't get it. Anyway, so that, that takes place. goes on to say, Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, there it is. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishkar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Billah, Rachel's servant, Dan and, and Natalia. The sons of Zilpha, uh, Leah's servant, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Pandamaram. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kithratherba, that is Hebron, Hebron, while Abraham and Isaac had journeyed. I'm sorry, where Abraham and Isaac had journeyed. Now, the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died, and was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So here we have... <clears throat> Jacob, who is now Israel, finally returns to Canaan, to Bethel, and his the count now his father, after 180 years, Isaac, dies, and at this time, both Esau and Jacob are together and they bury him. So it's a long, long journey for Israel from when he was born, the boys, the twin boys were born, when he deceited, de- deceitfully took uh, Edom's birthright as as Esau sold his birthright, he he departs because of treachery and deceitfulness, and uh, he sojourns for 20 years, comes back. There's a number of years in between that 20 years to this point where ja- where, uh, es- uh, where Isaac dies. We don't know that term, that, 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 that term that's there, the years that are there. But nonetheless, he dies, and they bury him there. And so the, the scripture lists all the sons of Jacob were 12 and they're listed there for us and so we have this account. So this is, this is Israel. This is Jacob's story and now we're gonna get into chapter 36 and I'm gonna cover this without reading everything here. <clears throat> but we have here in chapter 36 is Esau's descendants and there's some, there's something like I think there's something like 70 70 names here Seventy personal names, including five women. Uh, five different lists are divided into two groups, marked by a repetition or, or a formula. Uh, the repetition of this formula, verses verse uh, one and nine, uh, suggests that the two lists are, are to be read out loud. It's kind of an indication of who 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 uh, Esau is, and and what this chapter is trying to get to is that. These are the men. These are the kings who were established before Jacob, who is now Israel, came into the Canaan, to Canaan, to Canaan to, into the Promised Land. So, what the, what the writer is trying to show is: here's here's Israel, who was once Jacob, and here's Esau, and he never left. Jacob left. Israel left. But he comes back. And so, when 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 Jacob comes back, when Israel comes back, these. This, this, these descendants of Esau have been established, they have kingdoms, they have tribes, they have people, and they are there well-established before Israel comes back into the Promised Land. And these are the kings that, uh, that Israel will be fighting against in the years and the generations to come. And these are the lines of Esau. And so, so God said that he would bless Esau, right, when the birthright was stolen, and when Jacob st- stole it, and, and God said, well, I will bless you and I will make you a great nation. So this is the product of that. This this is the result of that blessing that God promised Esau. Even though his, his birthright was stolen, he gave his birthright up. And even though Jacob took that birthright, and we know from the line of Jacob, who's now Israel, Christ will come. But nonetheless, God promised Esau blessings. And when God makes a promise, he cannot break that promise. He does not want to break that promise because in his timetable, in his providence, it all works out for God's glory. And it works out in the struggle for Israel and for their future glory. Because from Israel, from Jacob, from Israel comes Christ. But at the same time, Esau received, was promised a blessing, and here is his blessing. Here are the descendants. And it really goes from all the way down from verse 1. And I'm not going to take time to read that, all the way down to verse 39. Um, so it's just an amazing account of God's blessing. Um, the list presents Esau's genealogy three times in verses 2 through 5, 9 through 14, and 15 through 19. So, again, th- this is the genealogy of Esau. This is the blessing that God promised Esau. Um Yeah, so it just goes through a whole list of of people and kings um, of Esau's descendants. And if again, so if you want to read that, I'll I'll let you read that. It would be hard for me to pronounce every word, but uh, let let me see here. Um, These are the generations of Esau, verse 1, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the Canaanites, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, uh, the daughters of, yeah, it just goes through all this. Um, Again, it's just an indication of 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 the descendants of Esau and his blessing. So over 70 people are listed, sons and daughters and aunts and uncles go all the way through it. And then verse 40 says this, These are the names of the chiefs of Esau, according to their clans and their dwelling places by their names, the chiefs, Timah, Alva, uh, Tetheth, Amatmoth, Eloth, Pinyon, Kenza, Timon, uh, Medzbar, uh, Melgaladi, and Iram, these are the chiefs of Edom, that is Esau, the father of Edom, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. So again, the, the point here that, that the writer Moses is making and that what he wants us to see is really twofold. One, Esau never left, and he inhabited that land, and, he, and God gracefully multiplied them abundantly. And now when Jacob, who now is Israel, comes to the land, he's dealing with these people, and they're going to be at battle, and they're going to be at war. But the the second part is that is that God is faithful to his promise. God promised Esau many blessings and many nations and many people and now that is the fulfillment the fulfillment actually this is just the beginning of that fulfillment because all throughout arabia all throughout that area in there babylon and and everywhere down all the way down to the suez canal all that area that is a, that is the result of esau's descendants they are still there they that is them and israel to this day is still fighting esau's people and again it's not by chance. God God has done this. God has in, in his purpose has done this. God in his providence has done this. No, nothing's by nothing's by chance. This isn't just just didn't happen. This is all by God's directive. It's an amazing account. It's just an absolute amazing account of what's happening and what God does in redemptive history. And we're part of that redemptive history, right? Because out of the line of Israel comes Christ. And and, and, his, he's, and God is setting up a difference. What is good and right, what he has chosen, and what he has not chosen, and yet he has blessed them. It's a great picture of God's, of God's sovereignty and his working out through redemptive history. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that you've given us to open up scripture and go through the book of Genesis to see the account of Jacob and his family and Esau, how they were once enemies, as they were once brothers living peacefully together. And uh, as they grew and matured, they, they separated. The, the uh, inheritance was stolen. The blessing was stolen and Jacob left. But God promised Jacob uh, the threefold, the blessings, the people and the land. Uh, Esau stayed there. Jacob left. Jacob comes back. They embrace each other with love and, and grace. Uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau welcomes them there. Eventually um, Israel goes up to Bethel and uh, God promises that land to them. And yet God did not forget Esau. God did not forget Jacob at all, right? He was. Jacob said he was with me the whole time. God said, I was with you and faithful with you the whole time. But at the same time, God had promised a blessing to Esau. And his, his, his uh, blessing is before Jacob right now, before Israel right now, and he sees them. And so Israel now will come into the promised land of Canaan, and now the battles will start. And now turmoil will begin. It's, a, it's an amazing picture of God's redemptive history for us. So Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for this time we ask that you would bless this time, Father. We pray that if this word goes out to one person and they are affected, Father, we are so grateful for that. We pray all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's close this morning with the benediction. And that be hymn 730, The Benediction. of Christ our
1: Savior.